This is Will Fuller, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and boy, do we have a big fish on the line here for the Epic Pod today. We have DP Sidhu. You can follow her on Twitter at Deep Slant. She is the lead writer for the HoustonTexans.com website and uh, one of the personalities there on Texans TV, Texans Radio. If you follow the Houston Texans, you certainly know her as an insider and somebody who's just around the team constantly that's the kind of person that we need to hear from right now dv how are you doing i'm doing well i mean i'm around the team but it looks a lot different than it has in years past with covid19 protocols in place and a lot of testing and a lot of uh a lot of routines and rituals that were not there in years past so training camp looks very different from years past but still just always a pleasure to cover the team and so excited that football's underway and we're finally, finally in training camp. I just oh. can't believe this point is here, but here we are. From your lips to God's ears, DP. I swear <laughs> to God, man, it's been, it's, you know, never in doubt though, right? But here, here we are. Here we are. Um, we're three, less than three weeks away from kickoff of the first Thursday night game. And just, I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, for us, obviously, so much of our, content comes from our travel schedule during this time of year has best been really been thrown into thrown into the gut pile, you know, this year with that, with everything going on with the, with the pandemic. Um, and for you, I'm sure that a lot of, you know, like, like you mentioned, a lot of your routines, everything's different. What are you having to go, like, so can you explain just to people, just people who are just NFL fans, like what's the difference between like the levels of, because you work there with the team for the team. Is it like, are you having to get tested every time you go in there? Like, how do you do, like, what do y'all do? How does it work? Right. Yeah, no, it's, they're different tiers. There's tier one, tier two, tier three, tier three OA. So depending on what tier you're in, oh God. you get tested more frequently. So the players um, are tier one and coach. Players and coaches are tier one and tier two. So anyone that interacts directly with the players are in those two tiers and they're tested. The players are tested every single day. They're still tested every single day. Um, like anyone, the nose thing or do they yeah, have nasal swabs, temperature, temperature checks? You have to fill out a questionnaire uh, before you go to the stadium that says you've taken your temperature twice at home. You haven't been in contact with anyone that's had a temperature or COVID-19 symptoms. Um, and then, you know, when I enter the parking lot, I get my temperature checked. As well, I show them the pass that I filled up my. Well, you're still in your car. While I'm still in my car, yes. Oh, because if okay. I have a temperature up, they're probably going to make me turn around and go right okay. on home. I'm not entering oh, the facility yeah. with the temperature, uh, but I don't need to get nasal swapped if I'm not directly in contact with the team or the players. And so I have been doing a lot of my interviews with the players via Zoom after practice. And actually during practice, I'm allowed to go out to practice, but what we decided to do this year, which we've never done before, is to stream practice live. So we call it Texans mm -hmm. Training Camp Live. 
Drew Doherty, my co-host, and myself were in studio. And then John Harris, who we pushed into tier two, who does get tested every day. We let him get the nasal swab up the nose every day. He's out there on the field with the players, and he's sort of showing us a live look at practice and what he's seeing. And, and we're watching it on the screen. So when you're watching it from home or, you know, we've got people watching from all over the world, from like Ireland, from the beach, from, you know, different places in Texas. You see Drew and I at the desk, and in the middle is a big screen of uh, – what you're seeing at camp live. You're seeing the players going through their drills. You see them warming up. You see Deshaun Watson throwing passes to some of the new guys out there on the field. You see David Johnson uh, catching the ball and running. I mean, this is access unlike anything we've been able to offer before, but because that's because usually there's fans at camp and the fans take their own video and they take their own pictures. But since that's not the case this year, you know, we, we still wanted people to feel engaged and feel like they were part of the team and they, they knew this 2020 Texans roster. So um, that's sort of, I think the bonus, the silver lining, I, if you will, out of all of it is that through all this testing and everything, we've, we've been able to show a side of camp and, and offer more access than we've ever ha- had before to offer fans. And of course she's talking about training camp live. That's on Facebook and yeah. on the, and on the app. I, I, th- I, I, th- I thought I was watching it on YouTube. Like, was I not watching the correct thing? I thought it I might be on, I think the older episodes, you can go back and watch them. Oh, you can go okay. back to Facebook and watch it. I think they get pushed out everywhere because they've been really popular. And I think we started off at like 20, 30 minutes and then we got up to 40 minutes. It's, um, you know, I think people just can't get enough of what they're seeing out at camp every day. Yeah, and then of course you talk about it on the Texans radio from eight to ten a.m. and then uh, six to six to seven p.m. So sort of the, the pregame and the postgame there for pra- for these whatever was it, fourteen practices, something like this. Fourteen padded practices, but 14 there'll be more practices. more practices than that. But you know, we we actually started covering camp from the first day of padded practice, which was last, uh, which was August fourteenth, Friday, August fourteenth. They'd actually been in this ramp up period before then, where it was like a condensed off season workout program, a lot of workouts and stretching so to us that wasn't really camp and what people wanted to see people want to see when you actually put on the pads and go 11 on 11 that was when our coverage began of camp but we've got about three weeks of that less than three weeks now until the kickoff at kansas city it's 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 it's, it's great it's it's terrific access it's, i think some teams are a little bit some teams are some teams are using I, I feel like and i know you can't comment on this but i feel like some teams are using this time when fans aren't allowed media is kind of not allowed to, to kind of hide what's going on and not let anybody see it. And so I'm glad that the, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the Texans, I'm sure that there's stuff that they're holding back, but I'm glad they're giving us at least a little peek, man. Like well, we just, we're not giving we just, away any competitive advantages. Let me tell you that something. they're not, they're not showing any true formations there. I think they're still trying to get an idea of what each of the guys can do. And a lot of times, you know, the, the team is in a ramp up period right now. So like JJ Watt, has not been out there for padded practices. That's not what it's going to look like in week one. That's not what the Texans <laughs> look like in week one. J.J. Watt right. is going to be on the field. Sure. Uh, Will Fuller is very limited when he's out there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that have rest days. You've got your veteran guys that get their rest days right now because everything is just pushing towards week one. You know, this, this coaching staff wants players to be healthy for week one. And without preseason games, there's really no way to evaluate your undrafted guys, get your rookies up to speed, teach them what they normally would have learned in rookie minicamp. That all has to happen now. So you've got a lot of guys trying to get reps, and then you've got your free agents that you signed, the big-name free agents that are going to be a big part of this offense and defense. They have to get their time in as well. You've got to get Randall Cobb. You've got to get Brandon Cooks. You've got to get David Johnson. You've got to have all of them develop their chemistry with Deshaun Watson and the O-line on the field. So a lot has to happen in these next 
few weeks of camp. And I mean, they're not really game planning just yet. So whatever we're showing is not really going to be a competitive advantage. There's no true formations or anything like that. When that happens, trust me, we will not be showing that live because the coaching staff would definitely not like us doing that right now in camp. So um, that's why we're able to do it right now, just because it is such a different training camp than we've had before. The 2020 Roster Watch Draft Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet is back. Just follow the three simple rules and an expert quality draft is guaranteed. That's it. Three simple rules. It doesn't get any easier. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. Just bring along the Roster Watch Cheat Sheet to your draft and dominate. It's only $5.99. Download now at rosterwatch.com. It's the ultimate draft cheat sheet only at rosterwatch.com. Being somebody who's a Texans insider and so close to the team, how surprised were you with the DeAndre Hopkins trade? Did you know it was coming? Like, like And what was the first thing you thought? Were you surprised? Like, what, was that just, like, whenever you follow a team so closely, you cover a team, and just a superstar like that gets, gets, gets traded, what was that like? I mean, definitely. It was definitely a surprise. Uh, you know, I th- trust me, they don't they don't call me up when they're about to make a trade. <laughs> you hear rumblings of stuff, but it was in the off season and we were already home because COVID had shut down our building. So sometimes when you're in the building, you know, you, you run across people, you talk to people on that side of the building, you sort of hear rumblings and you sort of know what's going on. Um, certainly, we were not in the building at that time. And so, you know, I, I learned about it on Twitter like everyone else did. And of course, it's a surprise. I mean, looking back, I'm sure the signs were there that, you know, they were looking to sort of, you know, rework that contract. It just wasn't going to work out. But, you know, those are conversations that we're not necessarily always privy to. Sometimes a trade happens and you're like, yeah, yeah, I kind of knew that was that was to be expected. But I think with DeAndre Hopkins, we had little rumblings here and there, but, you know, nothing, nothing definite. I think that all sort of kind of came together there once free agency, once we got closer to free agency. And by then we were all out of the building, but certainly we were very surprised by that last year when Laramie Tunsil got traded from Miami with Kenny Stills. Um, that was a Saturday uh, right after camp had, had ended. I was driving around. I had to pull over to the side of the road because I was just like, what, what just happened? Things like right. that. You know, sometimes we had heard that, you know, Miami was not going to deal Tunsil. Uh, you know, the, their locker room would be in an uproar if, if they traded a guy as valuable as him. So you heard rumblings of it, but then you thought, you know, you mentally sort of check it off your list. Like there's no way that they're giving up their starting left tackle. And then boom, you know, the Texans paid a price that the that the Dolphins were willing to to take and, and off Laramie came to Houston. And, and it's really just made a world of difference to our offense and our offensive line. And, and you hope that a guy like David Johnson from everything we've seen so far in camp, I mean, man, there's a lot to be excited about. DeAndre Hopkins was, a, was a, phenomenal playmaker for Houston. And, you know, I, I loved covering him, but, you know, seeing what David Johnson's done on the field with some of these new pieces and these new wide receivers, uh, this offense looks different and it looks high powered and it looks exciting. Well, and I wanted to ask you just a, a little, I, I, I want to ask you about Titus Howard after a while, but, but, but first like to, um, just while we're on David Johnson. So he's at, He's out there. I mean, last year it was people forget last year. If you look at his, uh, if you look at his first six games of last season outside of the Baltimore game, which is a game that you not, you're not going to expect anybody to go run like crazy over the Baltimore defense, but in the games where he was healthy before Arizona traded for Kenyon Drake, that dude was a, you know, as far, I, you, you don't care about fantasy, but like he, he's a, he's a top five fantasy back every single week, except for the one week versus Baltimore to start last season. Then he gets hurt. It's a, it's a back, 
first and then like some back and then some kind of other with back and an ankle. So like he was, he was banged up. Is he, and he, he's, he truly didn't look like himself, you know, whenever he tried to come back and people forget, you know, it wasn't just like thinking we don't have to think back to 2016, David Johnson to remember seeing David Johnson looking good. We saw David Johnson look good to start last season It is So in training camp, does he look, does he look healthy? I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen him mixing in with the ones on training camp or just working with the ones on training camp live. Um, but clearly you you get to watch all practice. I mean, is he looking good? I mean, is he's, I mean, he's out there every single day. Is he taking every single rep with the ones? I mean, no, they're working him in with Duke Johnson. And then they're trying to see what that number three spot looks like with, with uh, Karan Higdon and right. Scotty Phillips, a, a, an undrafted that's there. And of course you've got buddy Howell, who was a, a big special teamer last year. David Johnson's been out there every day in practice. And I think if there was any worry about his injury, he would not be practicing because they definitely evaluated all these guys before camp started soft tissue uh, evaluation and an injury evaluation to see who was sort of at risk, who needed to ramp up slowly. They didn't want to just throw anyone into the mix, but you know, if you're out there and you're practicing every single day, I have to assume it's because they think that you're good to go and you're healthy. And he said, he feels great. When you ask David Johnson what happened last year, he said it was really a low point for him because at one point he was demoted to uh, to the third to the third string back, and I think he knew that it was time for a change for him. He wanted a change. He had changed offensive coordinators several times in the last few years, and I think that all, along with the injury, played a factor into why we didn't see the same David Johnson we saw in 2016. I mean, I remember he was like everybody's keeper in the keeper leagues, right? And then the yeah, next year yeah, yeah. he gets injured before the start of the season. And, yeah. you know, it just messed up people's fantasy teams all over the league. And he just never looked the same after that. But that talent level is still there. And the explosiveness looks like it's back, you know, in camp. When you put on the pads and you go against another team, obviously that's going to be the true test. But he he's not a, he's not a rookie. He knows what he can offer to this team. And, and when you see him out there on the field, he certainly, certainly looks the part. I mean, when you see David Johnson carry the ball, like I got excited seeing that because, of course, we all have the same questions of, how is he going to look? Is he going to be healthy? It was a hefty price to pay to get David Johnson to Houston. How is it going to pan out for the Texans? But so far, so good. I mean, he's been out there every single day in practice. And I think they, of course, want nothing to happen to David Johnson. So, you know, if, if he needs a, a rest day or a break, he's going to come out. I wouldn't worry about that. That's going to be priority number one is keeping everyone healthy for week one. Is it? Do you do you foresee it being a situation where Duke Johnson is going to be the one in there that's in all in for all? Because David Johnson was such a good. I mean, I remember back at his Senior Bowl, he came in there and I was like, this guy was a better receiver than he is a runner. <laughs> he, he, a, I mean, he played. Yeah, uh, David Johnson. Uh, da- David Johnson. David Johnson. Uh, yeah, whenever we saw him at the Senior Bowl, but I was just I, I was just wondering. You know, that was I first thought to myself. I'm like, if he can't play running back in the league. He can play what he could play receiver. Now you bring him in, you have Duke Johnson who's receiving back too. I mean, is that going to mean that David Johnson might not get as many receptions just because Duke is going to have to get his, his share too? I mean, I think that your primary back is still going to be David Johnson. I think some of them will catch passes out of the backfield. I feel like, and this is totally my opinion. I feel like Duke yeah, is right. going to be the, the bigger pass catcher because last year with Carlos Hyde, they, they both talked about how they could catch passes out of the backfield. But every time Duke was in the game, he wasn't, you know, he was, he had, he had some runs here and there, but mostly he was, he was catching passes. He, you know, he was a back that caught passes. So I think this year with David Johnson, David can do both. 
obviously, but if you want someone to run the rock, like an every down back, that's going to be David Johnson. And then Duke Johnson is going to go in there to spell, give him some spells of relief here and there. Or sometimes you, you have a two back set and you have them both in there and then you make defenders have to pick their poison. You know, who do you defend? Right. So I think the combinations are very endless because they both have that skill set. But between the two of them, I would expect David Johnson to get the majority of carries, but certainly Duke Johnson's going to get his too. Okay, so and, and so we, we we talked about David Johnson's you know his injuries earlier. He has had injuries. You mentioned that season after the 2016. I think it was a wrist. I mean, it, he's he's been injured, but it's not like it's been one. It isn't like Gurley or something where it's like he's got this knee that has arthritis. Um, it's kind of the same with Will Fuller. He gets injured all the time, but it's not like it's the same. It's a collarbone or it's a knee or it's an ankle. It's like. How does Will Fuller look? What is you? Uh, what are your expectations for him? I know that you guys had. I, I think it was you guys had Deshaun. Somebody had Deshaun Watson when he was talking about how he was expecting a big year for Will Fuller this year. Do you think he assumes sort of the number one role? They did go out and get uh, go out and get Brandon Cooks, but in this short yeah. offseason, it's Will Fuller that's got the connection already. I mean, no, Will Fuller, when healthy, he's a number one target on any team, on any team. You know, especially now that DeAndre Hopkins is gone, Will Fuller is uh, the top receiver. His big question is always health until he has that 16-game season. And, you know, no one wants to be on the field more than Will Fuller. I remember being at the Greenbrier a few years ago, and I came home for a few days just to take care of some radio stuff, and then I was going to fly back to the Greenbrier. And that was the day, the day that I left was the day that Fuller landed funny and, and cracked his collarbone out in West Virginia. And I remember everybody saying, why did you leave when you left and Will Fuller left <laughs> yeah. collarbone? You should have stayed. Um, but, you know, it's he's just the nicest guy. He's the most hardworking guy. And it's always, it's always something different. It's just been, I think, just a string of bad luck for him. He was not injured when he was at Notre Dame. And then last year, of course, soft tissue injuries, which are just that type of injury that, never quite goes away once the season starts. I mean, every, we've seen it time and time again. A guy gets a hamstring or something. He sits out for three or four weeks. You know, you think he's fine. He comes back, plays a game or two. Boom, hamstring out again. Like when you're that's so just, twitchy, like like when you're so twitchy like a Will Fuller, it's yeah. just, you know, you, but you're, you know, you're, right. you're a fine-tuned your machine. Yeah, and but to your point, he, he's he's worked out this offseason. He came in at about 190. He he tried to put on some weight. He his big goal every offseason is to get himself stronger so that he he doesn't have those sort of injuries. And so you just you just hope and you cross your fingers that he can play the majority of the season and not have something like that happen to him. He's he's gonna have a huge year. He he could be an all pro if if he was healthy all season long. So, you know, I think the big question, Bill O'Brien has said it. Uh, time and time again, it's going to be health with Wolf Fuller, but when he's healthy, he is, he is just spectacular. It just changes the Texans entire offense. Like when he's on the field, the Texans have a, and I don't know the exact number, so I'm not going to, don't quote me on it, but they have a much more winning record. Their yards, uh, you know, their average yards are much higher. Their mm -hmm. scores, much, average scores much higher with Wolf Fuller on the field. It just changes everything because defenders have to, you have to, worry about Fuller and it opens up the field for so many of the other, the other playmakers. Um, but when Fuller's not on the field, obviously that's one less threat they have to worry about. No one can outrun him. I mean, he's still blazing fast. So I think it'll be exciting to see him on the field, especially alongside Brandon cooks and Kenny stills. I mean, this team has got speed now. He's not yeah, well, just the only <laughs> fastest guy on the team. I was going to, well, I was, I was, I was, I was going to say, you know, like if you were going to put together a list of guys that might be able to outrun him, I mean, Brandon Cooks would have to be on the <laughs> have to be on the list. That's got, I mean, I guess it, it doesn't take you giving us any formational information to know those guys are going to have to be outside because you got Randall Cobb, mm -hmm. who is, I mean, 
anybody with two eyes can just know that he profiles as a, as a guy out of the slot. Have you, um, Randall, I mean, Randall Cobb was targeted 85 times last year for Dallas. He, uh, he seems like he's still, it's pretty, pretty good receiving. And then you throw in the fact Kenny stills too. That's a lot of speed on the outside. A guy like Randall Cobb, it feels like it's going to, it's going to help him, um, help, help, help Deshaun Watson. Uh, the, the improved running game should help Deshaun Watson. I want to ask about offensive line, but first, uh, like, is there, like, is there anybody we should be thinking about at the tight end position for the Houston Texans? We know, um, we know last year, Darren Fells kind of fell into the end zone a couple times, but it wasn't anybody where, you know, you, we could depend on him to get any steady volume uh, as far as targets. It seems like between Fuller, Cooks, uh, maybe Kenny Stills, uh, you know, Randall Cobb, and then Duke Johnson, David Johnson. It's like a, what, it's like a, you're playing seventh fiddle if you're a tight end. Is there anybody who might be able to come in and sort of break that mold? I know that at least, you know, is it Kahaley Warring? There were. Yeah, Kahali Waring. There were a lot of people that were excited about his athletic mm-hmm. profile coming out. Uh, yeah, he's maybe a wonderful any- player. I mean, he looked the part. He looked so big and strong last offseason, and then he was injured, and it just, you know, he started the season off on IR, and it was really a red shirt year for him. And even this year, he's back, but he has his rest days. Um, I, I want to say that, you know, one day he, early, he was out there this week, but for a few days he was just in shorts. I think, um, you know, it's it's going to be a, a tough road for Kahali. He's got a little bit of catching up to do. I think Jordan Thomas was having a phenomenal, phenomenal camp last year. And then he got hurt in that fourth preseason game against Dallas. He got placed on injured reserve. Then he kind of came back off of injured reserve later in the season. And it mm-hmm. took him a little while to get reacclimated to football again. So it wasn't quite the season that anyone expected from Jordan Thomas, but he's back out there. He's trimmed down. He's really come back in shape this off season. And he looks like he looked like a year ago before the injury. So I think a lot of people are really excited about Jordan Thomas. He's really hard to defend. He's got great hands. Um, you know, he used to be a wide receiver. So yeah. uh, but for him, it was learning how to block even though he's such a big guy that was as a rookie. I remember uh, Tim Kelly, who's the offensive coordinator. He used to be the tight ends coach back then. He would take Jordan Thomas off to the side and show him how to block. Um, and it, it, a guy so big, you just, you know, he looked like those eighties jerseys, you know, it was just like the big wide shoulders and the Jersey hanging down. He right. was huge, but you know, as far as your, your, your fantasy owners and tight ends, I, I don't know if there's any number one tight end you can count on because Darren Fells, he caught four touchdowns last year. I think Jordan Thomas is always in the mix. And then you've got Jordan Akins. So from you, UCF. You, might see, you might see, a, a, you know, multiple tight ends in a game at the same time. And I think week to week, it's going to depend who's going to be the top tight end. But Darren yeah. Fells, I think he's old and steady. He's the veteran. He knows the position. Um, Sean Watson has such a great chemistry with him. He really trusts him. So that chemistry is definitely there. I would expect Fells to be your number one tight end, and then you've got the two Jordans right behind him. Okay, and then so and I've 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 kept you best time here, DV, but I I, de- I definitely appreciate it, and everybody appreciates your insight because, as you know, we just we need football. We need yes, all the information that we can get about it. <laughs> so uh, just what about? So I was I was going through our offensive line rankings, and we do. Um, we have our grades on these guys as they come out from our scouting evaluations and also look at some of the stats from places like pro football focus sports info solutions who uh, chart some of these players. And as you look at it, it's like the Texans offensive line fine. I mean, it's been an issue. It's been an issue, 
Um, and Julian Davenport was not the answer to it. I said it from the very beginning. That guy's not going to answer. That, that guy's not going to fix the problem. Um, I wasn't sure that Titus Howard was going to fix the problem. But when you add in Laramie Tunsil, you add in Titus Howard, you have Max Sharping coming into his own. You have Nick Martin actually looking like he's basically a uh, – he's – I mean, if he's – maybe a – I mean, a little bit better than average NFL center. I mean, pre, pretty good, right? So it's like all of a sudden you start – If the, is it true – is it true that there's buzz around there that people close to the program are excited about Titus no. Howard and what he's made? Oh, I think I think the the offensive line as a whole, people are very excited about. I mean, we we've, we've talked actually very little about the offensive line this year, which is unusual since <laughs> I've been covering the team. I feel like every time I cover the team, we're watching the offensive line, and and I'm always jotting down who's lining up where because this time last year, Titus was um, pretty much every single position. Max Sharping was sort of all over the place. We didn't really know who the left tackle was because, as you remember, Larry Tunsil got traded after camp was over right around Labor Day weekend, on Labor Day weekend. So, right. you know, to, to be able to go into camp and have your same starting five, that hasn't happened since 2011. Larry Tunsil said it's never happened in his NFL career. And it's just something you can check off your list that the offensive line as a unit works well together. Titus Howard had a really great rookie season considering – I didn't think he was starting a right tackle. I don't think anyone really knew where he was starting because he started off at guard and then because of injuries had to move to tackle and he did really well there. In fact, when he got hurt in that Kansas city game mid season, and then he got carted off the field. I just remember thinking, this is, this is not going to be good. And you know, he, we can't lose a guy like Titus, which is rare that you would think that about a rookie offensive lineman. I think his coming up through the system really helped. He says that Laramie Tunsil really helped him along. I think, Laramie's presence on this offensive line, even though Laramie himself was still getting acclimated to the offense, has been huge for the development of this offensive line. For Titus, uh, for Max Sharping, he's just made everyone better. And I can't help but remember Deshaun Watson's first Pro Bowl. I was in Orlando covering it, and we had him mic'd up. And, you know, that's the year that he had all those sacks, and the offensive line was still like a big question mark who was starting where. And, and Vaughn Miller, uh, was talking to him mic'd up and and he, you know, they were talking about the sack numbers and and what a great season Deshaun still managed to have after 2018. And he said, you, you just need one tackle. You just need one really good tackle. That'll change the entire offensive line. And I remember thinking, really, just, just one guy, what if it's just the right tackle? Does it have to be, could it be anybody? But, you know, I think from a pass rusher like Von Miller to God's ears, that's exactly what happened. You get a guy like Laramie who just has so much talent and the, and the ceiling is so high for him. And I know people got frustrated with the penalties and, and the false starts last year. No one was more frustrated than Laramie. He came in this year before anyone could even say anything. He said, I know I'm going to work on the penalties, but I think he just felt so responsible to get that first jump, that first step off the line. He did not want anyone to lay a hand on Deshaun Watson. And we saw those sack numbers come down, but he, he came in and he said, he owes it to Deshaun Watson and this team to have the best season he's ever had. Like, you know, he's got his contract, he's gotten paid, he's coming off his first Pro Bowl. Laramie Tunsil's is in on this team, and I think all the offensive line, their their chemistry is so good right now. They move as a unit, their communication is so good, and, uh, you know, I, I just think it's something that we haven't talked enough about because it's not really anything anyone really worries about right now. 